Welcome to the Forest Creek Podcast. This episode we've been technically kind of anticipating for about six months. It is quite literally, it's the day before we're halfway into the year. Mm. It's the sixth month, it is the 14th day. Uh, When it's the 15th day, I guess we could like approximately call that the middle of the year. Jared and I, we did a, I think it was, I want to say episode like 23. I'm probably wrong. I don't know. That we did the podcast 2023, which was our New Year's podcast. We did it like a the day after a New Year's party. That was number 23. That's wild. I think so. I, I hope I was aiming to get that there. Let me actually just check best. it right now. Nope, it's not 23. It's actually 21. Rip. R.I.P. Two years late. The episode 2023, we talked, we did a recap about things that happened throughout 2022. And then we started talking about goals. Um, stuff that we were hoping to do and care about. Um, part of that was we talked about themes and like what your theme was for the year. Mm-hmm. I guess we weren't super decided on our themes at I that was. point. Yeah. Well, I knew generally what I wanted to do. I just didn't have like a label for it. Yeah. You know, I didn't sit down with the with the team and like come up with something. I knew exactly what I wanted to do mid December. What is? I was gonna be drawing the whole year yes yeah, and yeah. getting get better at i drawing. remember you spent a lot of time talking yeah. about that. <laughs> we spent a lot of time talking about that we spent a lot of time talking about a lot of things uh including graveyard shifts which you were also i think doing at the time oh uh, that was like three months before that was october or at least like november waking up on time yeah. was another thing yeah. that we were doing um address you're here too i am yeah what was your do you did you have a theme or a resolution Bruh, I don't even remember. <laughs> well, well, we'll wind our way back to it. Um, I wanted to start by talking about an update that we can coincidentally make. Because um, <laughs> when we first did that, one of our highlights was that literally, because it happened like just before New Year's, mm. the infamous internet celebrity Andrew Tate was arrested for incriminating himself with a pizza box as he was getting into his Bugatti and getting into a fight with this autistic Swedish girl on the internet, uh, (laughs) Greta Thunberg. And it sparked, like, some controversy. People were like, oh, he's human trafficking and stuff like that. That was his accusation. That's Mm -hmm. why he got pulled in. Um, Which he'd been accused of before with no evidence. Right. Uh, They kept him in... In Romania, apparently they can keep you in jail for until they find evidence. Really? They basically they can keep you in jail for thirty days. Oh, and if they find something that they think could be evidence, they have the right to extend it another thirty days mm. to a certain maximum. They okay. reach that maximum with Andrew Tate and have found no evidence. This is the reports; anybody can read it. Yeah. Uh, obviously, I don't know whether or not he was human trafficking, but no evidence has come out about it. It's like it's one of those accusations that you'd look back on and be like, "Yeah, I guess it would fit." <laughs> I guess, but at the same time, it's strange. It doesn't. It in a lot of ways, it doesn't fit because it's mm. like the dude has closed circuit television in his own home. So if somebody was to catch you doing something, it's like you've recorded everything that happens in your own house. <laughs> um, the other th- part to it too is like if you're an international human trafficking criminal, you you're probably not very vocal on Twitter. Yeah, that was one point you're I heard somebody bring up that was pretty solid. Teaching courses, <laughs> you know, it's hey, my hat off. If you were doing all that stuff, Dude, and can somehow you imagine if Tim Dillon off, was a human trafficker, bro. Or Joe Rogan. <laughs> that, that would be insane. 
It's like a lot of things would make sense. <laughs> I'm gonna be real. It's like a lot of the influence and the outreach and the fame and the wealth. It would make sense, but at the same time, it would be really stupid. Yeah. Yeah. Hello, my dear podcast listeners. This is Raf from the future. Uh, as I'm editing this show, news has come out that Andrew Tate has, in fact, been charged officially in Romania with the counts that he's been accused of, including human trafficking. It is maybe worth noting that the evidence hasn't been released to the public that they've used to charge him at all. It may also be worth noting that the President of the United States' son, Hunter Biden, has also recently pled guilty to some sort of tax charge, which is an interesting coincidence to see these major figures in court on the same day. Just a coincidence. I want to point out that we have no comment whether or not he is innocent or guilty. It's not really our business. We wish everybody involved well. We hope that uh, justice is found where the truth is. But I want to emphasize that this show isn't about his character. It's just the message that he has been putting out, the core one that is valid that we'll talk about in just a moment here. But again, just wanted to point that out. We, we're not here to report controversy. There's a million clickbait sites and other YouTubers and podcasters who will happily do that for you. But in terms of self-betterment, yeah, you're in the right place. That being said, his message, you know, he's very arrogant and brash and gives a lot of people a lot of reasons to dislike him. Mm. Uh, because a lot of the times when he makes like, these offhand comments about a man's relationship to women and stuff like that, because it's very almost materialistic mm. in its value system and its epistemology. But at the core of it, the reason why it resonated with so many people is because the core message was to all young men. You're worth something. Act like it. Which is the same message as Jordan Peterson. Yeah. And the thing is, it's funny. It's like when you call Jordan Peterson a white supremacist or whatever it is, and you shut him down, it's like, what's going to take its place? Apparently, every time you cut the head off a Hydra, a bigger one grows. <laughs> and now we have Andrew Tate. Because you said no to, like, Dennis Prager or whatever. <laughs> you now have Andrew Tate. And... This is the one head of the Hydra you say can't seem to cut off. 90 days later, he's released from prison. He's been on house arrest, still is, to our knowledge. Mm. But now he's opened up. He's done a couple of interviews, primarily one with the BBC, where he kind of made a fool out of them because they came out at him with, like, nothing but attacks. <laughs> but obviously he has his rebuttals. The only thing I remember about that that was pretty funny is that they straight up quoted him and I remember the clip of him saying it and he was like I never said that how he would get girls to join his OnlyFans thing yeah and it was like make them fall in love with him go on dates to the point where they would do anything for him and then get them in front of a camera and she quoted the reporter quoted that exactly he was like you're just finding stuff on the internet and making things up and saying it you haven't done any research and it's like no I remember that when you actually did that you specifically said those exact words. We should clarify what this OnlyFans thing is. Um, because it, again, 
it sounds human trafficking adjacent mm. and it's one of those things that makes you think it would fit but also the actual thing he was doing was entirely legal right just like OnlyFans itself is legal I'm not saying it's moral I abhor it I think it's terrible mm. I think nobody should subscribe to OnlyFans I think it's a really bad what about all of... the what about the people that have cooking channels on OnlyFans you can do that on YouTube yeah you can do that on Patreon but it, it locks it sure <laughs> <laughs> just pointed finger guns at but the thing he was doing was basically in his explanation women who do work on OnlyFans on their own they might make a thousand dollars in whatever time period if they work with him he uses his influence and his network and his resources to help them scale up what they're doing Yeah. and now instead of making one thousand they make four thousand but then they split it with him yeah. So he's kind of like an OnlyFans pimp. Makes a lot of money off of this, boosts their network. They make more money. So it's like it's not like it's a bad deal for them if mm. they're committed to doing OnlyFans anyway. Yeah. You know. Except like, for the fact that they're doing OnlyFans. It Again, <laughs> I think it's amoral. Yeah. I think nobody should be subscribing to OnlyFans. Find your cooking channels elsewhere. <laughs> we were just watching this lovely Italian man teaching us how to make carbonara. Oh, yeah. You know, don't even remember his name, but he was a great old chef. I Fantastic. think he's dead now. Really? Yeah. That's I found that soon after I found that carbonara video. Requiesca in pace. <laughs> but that's what he was doing. Now that Andrew Tate has been released from prison, he's recently after the BBC. He did a second podcast with Patrick Bet David. He mm. did the PBD podcast. When he first did the PBD podcast, it was like a four or five hour episode where he basically explained his entire ethos. It's a great, honestly, if you don't know anything about him, if you don't read any of the online comments, because I just, I dodged everything everyone else was saying and I watched that one podcast mm. and I got a chance to see what the deal was and I could make up my own mind about what I think about this character. I'm really glad I didn't just absorb it from memes because now I actually know what's going on. Mm. And now he's done a sequel to that. So basically, after the BBC interview, I think he capped it off. He's like, I don't want to get myself in any more situations where people are putting a target on me. Now, if you want to interview me, it's $50,000. Patrick Bet David, multi-millionaire entrepreneur who runs <laughs> Valuetainment, which is a great... Oh, like, he's that guy. Yeah, he runs okay. Valuetainment, which is an awesome... It's like... They, I've seen one episode of it, maybe. They get all kinds of guests on. It's kind of supposed to be an entrepreneur's podcast, but they have all kinds of things going on. Mm. They get journalists, they get politicians and all that. Patrick Bet David interviews him a second time now that he's out of jail. They go to his house, they set up the interview, they do another. This time, instead of doing a one long stretch, they split it up into five parts. Mm. Um, not all the way through it yet, but what I'm getting from it is that Andrew has come out of prison and his message is now less material. Hmm. It's not about the Bugattis and the women so much anymore. It's about, like, honor. It's about, like, your substance, your personal substance. And part of it, I'm sure, is because he's recently, like, gone into a full conversion into Islam. Ah. So, you know, a spiritual conversion, that kind of thing, is bound to affect you. Hmm. Bound to change your outlook on life. But if I was to sum up what his new addition to his messages it is no longer good enough it's no longer adequate for you to be adequate it's no longer good enough for you to simply be average it's not good enough for you to be good you have to be great 
To survive, you have to be exceptional. You have to push yourself to the level of excellence. You can't just be satisfied anymore. You have to keep pushing because that's the only way to get out of like the rut of entropy. Mm. Right? And this entropy part is like how I would explain it, right? Entropy in the sense that, you know, in physics, it's the concept that everything is constantly going into a state of chaos, it's decaying, it's falling apart. A lot of people like to sum up the meaning of life, as they would put it, they would say negative entropy. Do something with your life that is positive enough that it adds a profit to the world despite the constant state of entropy. Mm -hmm. It survives you. If you are just good, if you are just adequate or just average, you're not actually pushing past entropy anymore. Mm. The level of entropy that we're seeing in modern culture, of the level of decay of things going wrong or bad, is now so much that it's not good enough for you to just be good. You have to now push yourself into being great. You have to strive to be exceptional. I think there's a little bit of a cynicism to that mm. in saying that, yeah, things are worse now than they've always been. <clears throat> oh, yeah, yeah. But at the same time, it's kind of true. We are dealing with new challenges in modern culture. And we have to strive to find new ways to add that negative entropy. Mm -hmm. right? Do you have that, the best thing well, you posted recently, that ancient Assyrian text? Right, yeah, yeah, let me that pull that up. That was amazing, because that, I don't know, it's the perfect antithesis to this, I suppose. People like to allude to the fall of Rome often, mm -hmm. and they say that actually a lot of the things that we're seeing in our culture right now are similar to the state of culture in the fall of Rome, mm. when we'd become so decadent that we were being removed from the values and the epistemology that led us to being great in mm. the first place, right? And you read um, ancient Assyria is like four empires before Rome. It's got to be pretty amazing, because I'm reading, I'm reading the Old Testament right now, and the Assyrian Empire is taking over absolutely everything. Yes. Um, <laughs> actually, like, if you wanted to detail it, it's basically there was the Assyrians, then there was the Persians, mm -hmm. then there was the Greeks, and the Persians were at war with the Greeks until finally out of all of that, Alexander came and he mm. took over the Persians. But then Alexander dies and the whole empire falls apart. And after years of combat and, like, warring states... Rome rises, Rome forms its own empire, and then that falls. It's like, so we keep going through all of this. But yeah. the oldest of them, probably what would have been like after the reign of the pharaohs, well, the furthest back we usually go is the Mesopotamians. Mm -hmm. So the Mesopotamians, then the reign of the pharaohs, and then whatnot, and it keeps on falling until we reach the Assyrian Empire. This would have been from the fall of the Assyrian Empire. The quote from an ancient stone tablet. The earth is degenerating today. Bribery and corruption abound. Children no longer obey their parents. Every man wants to write a book, and it is evident that the end of the world is fast approaching. <laughs> Written circa 2800 BC. Yep. So this kind of thing is always going on. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, uh, some might even comment on the cyclical nature of revelations. Mm-hmm. Right, a lot of the symbology of revelations is stuff that is happening now. So it's not just like a prophecy of things to come. Hmm. It's here is how those empires before you fell, here's how your empire is falling today. That's an interesting Here's thought. how your empires are gonna fall tomorrow. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, that's it. It's like we're always in the constant state of revelations. <laughs> 
AD, you'd normally jump in here when we bring up something biblical. I'm surprised you're being this quiet. We haven't said anything specifically Catholic yet. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm thinking. Um, I was like wondering where the conversation was going, though. I was like, okay, we're going. I thought we we're going to go to the more like towards goals. Like resolutions, and then now. <laughs> well, hey, didn't you just listen to what he just said? Become super yeah, amazing. Yeah. Best no, I, I, I hear that. Uh, well, the thing that we're getting at is memento mori. Whoa, this is not where I thought it would go. <laughs> even though I read the notes before. <laughs> Remember, you will die. So that's the difference. I didn't read the notes beforehand. <laughs> The meaning in Latin is remember you will die. It's a concept that arose around uh, ancient Rome. I always like to explain it in contrast to the word triumph. Because mm -hmm. the word triumph was the name of the celebration that Roman generals would throw for themselves when they came home mm. after a campaign. If you won, if you managed to conquer, you know, like you defeated the Gauls or whatever, you'd come home and you'd have a triumph. Mm, yeah. Um, but because of this situation, even like they're... Roman politicians, generals, and the emperor in particular, like, they were exalted to the religious level. There was literally a cult of the emperor. In really? the same sense, yeah, there was a cult dedicated to worshipping the emperor. Wow. In the same sense, generals were also at that height of, like, reli religiosity in terms of how much reverence would be thrown at them. And, you know, if you're in that situation, it's going to get to your head. Mm -hmm. You're going to grow a pretty big ego. And obviously the Romans, they're not dumb people. Some of them began to observe when their egos get big, they can mess up. Mm. They can overestimate things. Pompey famously, like he lost to Caesar trying to take over Rome because he misunderestimated. He went into like this battle with exceeding Caesar's soldiers by like tens of thousands and Caesar beat him. Oh my goodness. Because of a strategic move. Pompey just thought he was going to take over all the numbers. Did he just flank him or something? Pretty much. Oh wow. <laughs> just hat trick him. <laughs> but, so what they started doing was they would hire, they would get one of the soldiers. They'd say, your job is to stand next to the Roman general and tell him memento mori. Oh yes. Remind him that he is just a person. I believe I remember this from the Daily that Stoic. That the general will die. It became a very popular Stoic Mm -hmm. um, term memento mori mm -hmm. I'm reading meditations by Marcus Aurelius right now and there's a lot of that so how how much earlier is this the first time it came about with did you say it was Alexander the first time it came about would have probably been around the time well I want to say around the time of Julius Caesar okay and this was this is before or after or like during Stoics essentially um Stoics were kind of ongoing you know like uh, but they were more in Greece. It started like the ideas started in Greece. Mm -hmm. it, I think it like it metastasized. It became a big deal in, in Rome, yeah. right? Um, and around Epicurus. I guess my yeah. real question is: Did Stoicism influence that practice of t having a guy tell the emperor Memento Mori, or did that come up on its own? I think Memento Mori kind of joined Stoicism. Hmm. Like it must, it might have started independently, but we know it as a part of like Stoic practice yeah, because yeah. by the time Aurelius comes around, you know, it's a big deal. Yeah. Hmm. He's got the daily Stoic coin in his pocket. <laughs> but, but then you start to like apply it to yourself and you go, remember you will die. Mm -hmm. Time, your time is finite. Mm -hmm. Things are, entropy is coming. You know what? 
my version of that that I've been doing because I don't necessarily go memento mori and remember that I'm gonna die someday. Yeah, it's kind of grim. Yeah, it's more so the way the my version of it is is essentially when's the next time I'm gonna get to do this thing when when an opportunity pops up. Like yeah. last night, AD said, "Hey, can I sleep over?" And I was like, "You know what? This guy's moving in a month or two. How many opportunities am I gonna get to have him sleep over?" Yeah. There Why was not? definitely a level to it. also, it encouraged him to do the dishes, which That's he wasn't true. doing. <laughs> I wasn't going to do the dishes, even though I needed to for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, thank AD that my dishes are... But remembering you will die, it's like, your reminder, time is finite. The opportunities are limited. You're not going to live forever. Don't act like you are going to live forever. In the same way that you should act like you're worth something, you should act like that worth has a limit. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be young forever. You're not immortal. So what do you want to do before it's over? How are you going to put that negative entropy into the world? And that often gets me thinking about, like, what are my ambitions? What Mm. are the dreams? What are the goals? How do I cross the items off the bucket list? How do I build that negative entropy before it's over? While I have this opportunity, while I have this time in front of me. I talked, uh, we talked about this in the Ozymandias podcast quite a bit, because hmm. that podcast was about ambitions. I kind of reflected and went, you know, when I was young, I was Epicurean. I was taking my time. I was learning to enjoy life. Hmm. But I kind of regret that I wasn't as driven and motivated as I am now, because hmm. I feel like I could have made more use of that time. I learned important things along the way, and I'm happy to that I can apply them now. But I do wish that I had the youth from when i was 20 and when i was 25 i wish i had those five years dude i feel it because it's like i just look at the five months i had when COVID first hit and i was between jobs all i did literally for about five months pretty much the whole day i just played animal crossing and watched community yeah and that was almost it yeah dude i freaking played civilization like five times oh how many times i'm gonna nuke the digital world yeah it's got a limit it's got a limit to how many times you could do this stuff it's like i've mm-hmm. grinded video games i've chewed through endless mm-hmm. amounts of tv seasons mm-hmm. of bad shows <laughs> i watched a lot of bad television i still can't believe you finished once upon a time oh yeah baby <laughs> they filmed it in my town how could i not yeah my buddy worked on it actually i worked on it ad you've changed a lot from the, in the time that I've known you, like I, I've talked, I was talking about it. We were talking mm-hmm. about it yesterday. Like you've yeah, gone yeah. through a lot of phases. Yeah. Do you do you often wonder? It's like, what could I have done if I knew now what I? Sometimes knew then what I, know I think now? sometimes, but uh, you got to be careful with that stuff because you don't want to become like depressed or something, right? Because depress, depression or despair has a tendency to come about when you realize you can't change something, mm-hmm. right? If, if you can do something about it, you might be more prone to anger because anger is a sort of passion, which is, it's like a sort of like a vengeance. It's like, oh, something's wrong to me and now I'm gonna, I can actually do something. So you can actually mm-hmm. channel anger. And a- anger is interesting because you can direct it. But if you're like looking at the past, like, oh, I could have done that better. I could have done this better. It's not necessarily wrong to look at the past, but it's more so how does that, what wisdom yeah what it's, wisdom it's, can you it's not just looking at the yeah. past it's gleaning wisdom from it exactly in that it. sense it's i think it's appropriate but uh but just looking at it with despair yeah exactly sometimes if you just get in the in the habit of just being like oh that was bad oh this was cringe you know or oh, i could have done this and i could have done that it's like 
or even yeah. A, a, yeah. a similar sort of opposite one. Yeah. Looking back on childhood, thinking how much better it was and how would you want to be a child again? Yeah, exactly. And so I think you have to, I mean, learning to live in the present, mm-hmm. right? So uh, in, uh, for, if you read like the, I read a lot of writings from the saints and they're all, every single one of them are incredibly strong on this point, which is you have to live in the present hmm. because that's actually the only thing that really exists. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so it's very interesting because the way like uh, the, the culture is the, and it's a lot of has to do with money economy, right? It's like, we're always trying to predict what's going to happen in the future. So if you're a very money oriented person, you're probably going to be obsessed with time hmm. most likely. And you're going to be obsessed with, like what's coming in the future you might analyze the past to try and predict what's going to happen in the future so that's why you're always looking at trends grass all these things but it's hard to live in the present if you're constantly like mm-hmm. that and my dad he's a finance guy and that's his world right so he's always thinking about the future but then that can sometimes cause anxiety and then you're missing the present mm. um or if maybe uh for the saints they say that the will of god you cannot interpret the will of god in the future what is his future will what is his path? Like you can't, you can't do it. It's not his will only exists in the present, right? And so you have to learn to live in the present, and in doing so, you actually tap into this this power, right? This you're eating cheese. Come on, <laughs> I'm just doing so good. Yeah, it's okay. Blessed are the cheese makers. <laughs> I freaking love that Monty Python. Dude, I literally chopped it and picked it up before you called me out <laughs> no yeah. i was like let him do it have some manchego <laughs> but to expand on what you were saying is actually we talked about the uh, similar idea in 20 in our 2023 podcast we were saying that i was saying at least when you look mm. at sorry <laughs> it's that, pretty was, good. that was candid it is pretty good um when you look at what you're starting with you don't go you shouldn't go hey i got so fat you just accept that this is the pounds that I'm at right now. Yeah. This is where I'm starting with. Look at the money in your bank account. Don't think, oh, I spent so much money. It's like, this is the amount I'm starting with. I'm going to save on top of it. There's a way to look at hmm. Memento Mori in a way that invites despair. My death is coming and I've wasted so much time already. Mm-hmm. But there's a way to look at it as a motivator, mm-hmm. too. And like, I have time. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. still have time. Yeah. I Well, an- another um, thing about, like, it's... I, again, like I read a lot of the writings of the saints, and they always, they obviously, they talk a lot about meditation on death. Like Memento Mori is a mm. very like you'll see that written on church doors, on books, meditation books. Like a, it's a huge like in, in Lent. There's a uh, death, judgment, heaven, and hell, the four last things. This is like a major meditation that uh, Christians are, are called to do. But death is obviously the first one. Um, Saint Alphonse basically says. Um, as you live so you will die Hmm. right so it's not a lot of times people think like oh i can just change my ways or i can maybe get right with god in the last if you believe in god in the last maybe half an hour or whatever (laughs) of my life it's like that is very rare hey man saint desmus is a real person (laughs) the right hand i'm not saying it's impossible definitely not saying it's impossible yeah the one who was on jesus right hand being crucified is like in his last moments literally the good thief yeah. yeah yeah Um, still less longer than Jesus on the cross though yeah <laughs> so but it, there, there's just generally speaking like give it like, probably like 90 plus 90 plus percent of cases it's whatever you are in your present state 
is probably who you're going to be for eternity hmm. if you were to die in this moment right and so there's this there's this idea of like there's a trajectory which trajectory are you heading into and so that's why like even um the stoics they weren't like they didn't believe in a sort of heaven but like aristotle um he did believe in basically natures right? especially the ancient greeks they still had the idea of logos and they passed that to the romans they, they, they did so they yeah. did believe so, in like a core truth and nature to the universe yeah and so uh plato was was much more i think um celestial in his philosophy so he believes in like the world of the forms and that we would all be absorbed into the one and things like that aristotle wasn't quite like that um but they still basically held the importance of basically reaching your who you're really meant to be right and so like virtues are the means by or, or basically these are qualities which you can adorn your soul with and basically you act in accordance with your nature so aristotle was very like i mean in terms of just being very observant of the world and saying like was okay. he the one that i think he was catholics called the blessed pagan aristotle yeah he's yeah. he was called yeah. The, yeah yeah because he's probably one of the him and saint thomas are probably a lot like the of the things that aristotle came up with and wrote down they became the foundations of like mathematics and yeah. philosophy and yeah. medicine and like a lot of different right. fields yeah, because his epistemology is the one that is the most commonsensical. It makes the most sense. It's the one which is totally based in reality. Mm -hmm. Like he is very much a realist, but not like a realist the same the way that Plato was. Because Plato was a realist, but it was a bit too much actually. <laughs> he kind of was went... Plato the one who said man is a featherless biped. I, I don't know. That yes, that's true. He said, "Man is a featherless biped." Diogenes yeah. plucks a chicken and lets the naked chicken walk around. He's like, "Look, it's Plato's man." <laughs> so good. The larger point is that there is an end, and the end is coming. Hmm. Entropy is happening. What will you do now with the time that you have? And the point I was stressing from Andrew Tate earlier is, you have to be exceptional. You hmm. have to strive to do something. You know. Look on my work, see mighty. There is a you got to put up the statue at least. <laughs> have something, you know, because a lot of people don't even have the two vast and trunkless legs of stone in the mm. desert, right? Right. And so, what I think Andrew Tate is really getting at, and he, I think he is getting deeper, is because he's starting to get closer to the essence of man, hmm. right? So, uh, this is like a philosophical distinction. You have substance and accidents. So, like a substance is or or, or essence. We'll say essence. An essence is like what a thing is. An accident are like qualities of that thing. So for example, if you were to dye your hair black, that doesn't, you don't cease to be human, mm -hmm. right? You're still human. That's your form. That's like, you are still a human being, whether you have, you're tall or you're short, whether you have one limb or no limbs, mm -hmm. you're still technically human, right? That's yeah. your essence. And so when we speak of, you know, there is an end coming and we have to try and make ourselves to be uh, as 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 good as we possibly can, as the the most excellent that we can achieve in this life. Well, it's we have to ask the questions like, well, what are we? A phone. It's a telecommunication device. Yeah. Right. That's its essence. It's used to communicate. Now, technically, you could use it like a cutting board. It wouldn't be a very good <laughs> cutting board. And the reason it wouldn't be a good cutting board is that it goes contrary to its talos, yeah. which is what Aristotle talked about. Its end. Its mm. finality. Its purpose. Right. The final. The, the reason that it's been made for right and so you can look at a thing and you can almost by looking at it observing it using it you're like this thing is clearly good at some things and mm -hmm. it's not good at others right use it for what it's good for 
And so it's very commonsensical. You look at yourself and it's the same thing. Just like you look at a phone, just like, like you look at a table, just like you look at a chair, it has a clear purpose or finality or talos right to it. It's the same thing with the human being. Hmm. And so a lot of times it's like, it seems like it's a, it's a mystery, but in some sense it's actually very obvious. Right? It's like, well, what am I good at? Mm. What, <laughs> what, 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 what is going to fulfill this end? What am so I made for? In the wider sense, we can say everybody's meaning and purpose in life, their ultimate way of becoming exceptional is to find that in themselves, figure out what your telos is and figure out in so doing, you find a little aspect of God. And then within that, within that, you find basically you calculate what is the meaning of life. Right. I kind of talked about that before. It's the Douglas Adams kind of computer. The what is the question to the answer yeah, that is 42? Yeah. You got to calculate your piece of the question. Yeah. You know, in so doing, if we look at that, we extrapolate it into goals. Think about it. What are your ambitions? What are your goals? What do you want to accomplish? What do you believe is going to make you exceptional in mm. this life? I think the three of us can fa- safely say, like, we're all. We have some pretty traditional ideas in mind in terms of like, yeah, all of us want a house and a family and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Um, But beyond that, like, what do you envision you would like to accomplish in this life? I think AD should start because you had you had quite a drive in high school for one specific goal. Oh, to like make a movie? No, to draw. Was it movie? You you said Uh, you were drawing twenty four seven. Like Raph talked about earlier. Like I bounced around. Oh yeah, I moved around. Oh interesting. Um. Yeah, you basically, you think, oh, um, I like doing this. Maybe I'll do this and that'll make me happy. And it didn't. Hmm. Or I'll do this and I'll try and that'll make me happy. And that also didn't. Right. And so oftentimes, like, just because at the end of the day, I think, uh, I, I guess I can only speak for myself, but generally speaking, I think humans were very, were greedy, let's say, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, you can have it and then eventually you get bored of it. Yeah. Like I, this was like Christmas growing up, right? Like I really wanted something until you got it and then I got it and then didn't really do me a whole lot. Right. Cool. I was like, I was bored. I was bored of it after like two weeks. And it's it, the same. And to be honest, like even when it comes to things that sometimes are even a little bit more personal, I think those things last a lot longer, but even then there's oftentimes this like desire for something more. Right. If I can help kind of reframe that though. I think it's safe to say you're an artist. You have the drive and the mind of an artist. And whether or not they know it, the artist is always seeking what is called the magnum opus, their greatest work. You are on the journey to figuring out what that great work is. At one point, it was to get good enough at drawing so that you know you could complete that work. And at other times when I'd met you, especially when we were very into film, you're... You would have told me on multiple to- occasions you would like to make one film. Yeah. Know, at least. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So maybe that's your magnum opus. Yeah. No, I I've, I think about that. Um, but it doesn't like... I know, at least for myself, I know that I'll, I'll, like, I'll, I'll complete that magnum opus and finally then I'll be happy. I mean, you don't have to wait. Oh, I don't think that's true at all. You know, you don't have to wait to do the thing in order to be happy. I think you can actually achieve true a lot of great happiness presently and those things if it's in accord with your with your journey then you do them mm-hmm. but you don't have like i that i think that's the that was the switch for me right is that like i don't feel as though if i f- if i don't do that thing 
I I'll never be happy because that was my mentality before. Whereas now mm. it's like, I'm going to do that thing, but I'm happy now. Yeah. Right. And so it's not so much like a, you know, attacking it out, yeah. of, a, out of a desperation. We often conflate this idea with when we accomplish the thing, we're going to be happy. Yeah. That is definitely a, a conflation because if you look at someone like Van Gogh, we look at Starry Night and we're like, that was an incredible work. We look at it, it's captivating, it's mm -hmm. beautiful. Mm -hmm. We might even consider it to be his magnum opus, but, but the man was miserable. What was mm -hmm. exactly? And so, well, an interesting thing is like, is it is the artist's goal to make this particular masterpiece, or is it just to be an artist, mm -hmm. right? Just the process, right? And so, there's a there's a book even that's very trendy right now, Atomic Habits. Oh but yeah, a huge point of that book is it's not the end; it's the process. You have to become obsessed with the process, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like. We think about ends and goals, which is good, right? But most of your time is going to be in the process. So in some sense, you kind of have to hypnotize yourself to be in love with the process and to yeah. be happy in that state. Because the goal could take very, very, very long before you even see the results, right? There is some truth to that. And I think it's the same kind of truth with like, oh, why rush to these ends? Why not just be happy in the moment? And that was definitely me when I was more Epicurean. But then as I start to think about it again, it's like, well, look, we know that the work will not survive all time. Again, Ozymandias the statue. But the process does not survive you. So the process will die when you die. Hmm. If we're talking about negative entropy, you got to leave something behind. Hmm. Right? Whether that is the impact you made on other people, too. Because that does come from being happy in the moment. You know, being happy in the moment lends you the capacity to be kinder, for instance. And that kindness leaves a positive impact on people. And that certainly survives you, right? But at the same time, it's like, if you are just being happy in the moment, that could also mean uh, a more hedonistic style of just obtaining the pleasure out of life. Hmm. That definitely doesn't survive you. That dies when you die. Mm -hmm. So what do you leave behind? I guess the magnum opus is like people's way of doing that. You look at Da Vinci's Mona Lisa. Hmm. You know, if we're talking about artists and their greatest works... You talked to me about it before, Jared. You were you'd seen like a documentary about the yeah. Mona Lisa and like everything that went into it. Because Da Vinci, much like us in some way, he was polymathic. He had a lot of interest, a lot of phases mm. that he went through. But the Mona Lisa was like the culmination of all of those because he learned so many different things. The funniest thing about the Mona Lisa on that topic is the understanding is that. It wasn't even like he sat down and decided, I'm going to make the most amazing painting ever. Yeah. He got commissioned to, as far as we know, we know she got commissioned to make a painting of this woman. And he got carried away. Yeah. Because he kept adding things. <laughs> there are like parts, apparently there are parts to like this and other paintings that he did when he like learned something about the formation of rocks and then he would go back and like add it to different paintings. Mm. <laughs> I'm sure he did so with the Mona Lisa on many occasions. Mm. But again, it was like the culmination of his life's work. He might not even have intended to make that his magnum opus, I but it turned out. I think most things that become a magnum opus aren't intended to. That may be true. That may be very well true. But I don't know. What is the magnum opus in your life? The only two things that come to mind would be a family, like children. Hmm. Yeah. And beyond that, I don't care about leaving a legacy. I don't care if people remember me. I only want them to remember Jesus. Mm. Yeah. So it's like, if people are to remember me, I want them yeah. to remember Jesus. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the, kind of my point. What I was trying to say earlier is like, if you understand your purpose to be 
with God, mm-hmm. then that is your final end. And so your life, your direction completely changes, right? If you understand your final purpose, like your ultimate purpose, not just like a, a short-term purpose, like your ultimate purpose is just to be happy. That's a different, That's a, that could be a different end, right? Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, for, I think, religious people, like it's, it's, it's usually the answer is going to be it's to be with God. Right. Um, but I, I know you're asking about like your um, uh, let's scale it down yeah, now. Yeah. Right. Because we're talking about the meaning of life. Let's scale down. You know, in your life, we kind of established, yeah, the family, the house, the whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. Scale down a little bit more. Think about the time when you are 30. We're about 25 now. Oh, your five year plan. What do you want to be when you're 30? My like three and a half year plan. <laughs> oh, crap. <laughs> when you're 30. Mm-hmm. What do you want your life to be like? Do you want to have accomplished something by then? And again, I'm not talking about family. Yeah, I'm trying to get away from that because those are my only long-term goals, essentially. Well, I mean, I, I, like, even, in, even in terms of job, I've thought about moving to botany because I love plants. The thing is, like, cool. I, hear, I, hear, I hear you guys talking about pursuing faith, pursuing family. The thing in my mind that brings is like, that's a great way to be good. I don't know if it's a good way to be great. I disagree. Yeah, I disagree as well. Because here's the thing. God is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. There's nothing greater than him. So to have Jesus as my legacy that I leave behind wherever I went, what could possibly be greater than that? Allow me to define it. What does that mean? Because if you mean like, I want to embody that to the point where I am reflecting that again that aspect of mm-hmm. god into the world and that causes me to be a very positive influence that's great but, but if i ask you put it on paper yeah what are you actually gonna do well i mean <laughs> like, if you i can guarantee you if you ask parents i think the vast majority will tell you that their most like the most important thing in their yeah. lives is going to be their their family yeah right so like even like for uh, yeah i have a hard time imagining where a man would put like a company or or some project over his family and if, and, if, and if he did i would say that's disordered hmm. um but i would never i would never want i mean it's basically i mean by natural law which even aristotle would echo but obviously christians it's like god first your spouse and then it's your it's your family it's your kids Right, your parents. Here's the thing. This is the reason why I kept trying to ask you guys to get away from like the simple answer of family, because obviously, (laughs) it's like obviously (laughs) children survive you, Vin Diesel. It's like, (laughs) duh. I know. What is your five-year plan, dummy? What are you gonna do? Yeah. Your time is running out. Memento mori. You are gonna die. Yeah. And not only that, but consider that the things you guys have been talking about, they're the same things that everybody has wanted forever. They are the adequate. They are the average. They do not exceed the expectations. They are not, therefore, exceptional. But the conditions that that family then grows in are still subject to the same level of entropy. Well, in terms of, like, goals, because obviously raising a family, like, practically speaking, like, more material goals, if we want to bring it down, um, they would be subservient to the higher goal, which would be basically raising raising a, a a good 
family, right? And maintaining like good relationships. Um, I'd like to own a home. That'd be nice. <laughs> That's <laughs> next, a really hard thing to do. In the next 10 years, I would love to own a home. We live. <laughs> and I actually think like it's really important to, to accomplishing that goal. Mm. Um, we definitely live in like one of the most difficult places on maybe yeah. the planet to get that done. I think it's second or third in the world. Yeah. It's Vancouver. definitely number. I believe it's number one or two in Canada. Next, maybe next to Toronto. Wait, it's got to be number one in Canada. I, I don't want to. It might think be about Vancouver itself. Yeah, but then if you head like down the road a cut an hour. Yeah. If you're in Chilliwack, it's like suddenly a very achievable dream. I don't believe I will ever. I, well, at least like realistically striving within the next five years, I don't yeah. believe I'm going to own a home. Obviously, Dude, in Vancouver. I watched some Pierre Polyev propaganda yesterday and uh <laughs> he he mentioned that it's like i think it was now in vancouver six hundred thousand dollars of what your average house is worth is essentially fees that went into building it yeah no they make it like honestly yeah. very difficult they just yeah i mean they just don't understand or at least they they don't want people to understand uh it's not a mystery like uh like why cost keeps going why costs keep going up it's literally like well you have supply and you have demand right and if you increase <laughs> if you increase the supply and find a way to lower the demand then yeah the prices well, it's not will just level that, out right because it but, would be so simple if it was just supply and demand but we're talking about like the checks and balances that mm. must be fulfilled along the way are also but taking away the all of that all of that all of that increases um uh the cost of supply yeah, right and so true. it actually reduces supply right so like yeah. my brother he works in the the city of burnaby he's a project manager and he tells me like man it is it's bad like the, the the way projects get approved how slow they are the amount of red tape that they put of course like it costs these developers an arm and a leg but guess what the developer's not going to pay for it they're going to be like i'm just going to offset that and so the buyer the people who actually buy the, the people who buy the home are going to be yeah. the ones who actually um working in real estate i've come cost. to learn the important fact that the city of Vancouver is a city for investors. Hmm. It's not meant for you to own a home. It's meant for the investor to own a home and you rent from Which is, them. Yeah, and that's completely wrong. It's like, bonkers that's... because if people can't afford to actually live there, then they don't make the city worth living in. Yeah. yeah. Right? And then over time, it's like, well, that doesn't actually help the value either. So what are you investing in? The truth is, it's like, you shouldn't seek to own a home in Vancouver. Because that's not an achievable like thing Yet off the get-go. Well, you can. <laughs> what You'll you just... should seek to do is own a home outside of Vancouver. You could take all the advantage you want of the city without like living Texas. in Texas. Owning a home is a great goal. I think people should strive to do it. Mm -hmm. I think they should strive to do it in realistic ways. I think there are realistic ways to do it, and one of those realistic ways is definitely not Move to, to Medicine Hat. Well, that's also <laughs> very true. Our friend Kyle, who I hope to get in touch with later this year, mm. is living out in Alberta, and his achievable dream of owning a home and owning land is there. Dude, something that's worth like two mil here is 400k there. Yeah, right? Yeah. Well, there's the, if you want to talk about cost of living, I went down to Bellingham to visit a friend last mm. weekend. I went down just across the border, gas is like 70 cents cheaper. Oh yeah! What? Because yeah. of the amounts of taxes that BC thinks they're saving the world with. Oh my! Oh yeah, his taxing on taxing. Taxing on a tax. I mean, that's carbon, I guess. But yeah, owning a home is one of those goals that we all have seek to achieve. It is now a very serious goal. It is one of those things that you can't just be good anymore. You have to be yeah. great to get. <laughs> 
Yeah, and it's well, it's it's weird because I feel like the like with Gen Z and like the coming generations, they've kind of they're like, yeah, that's never gonna. They've kind of almost given up. They've already accepted the fact that yeah, I'll just rent my whole life. They're really like it's just the the the. Yeah. The, um, I mean, my goal at this point isn't even to buy a house, it's to buy a condo and rent that out. Because then it pays for itself, and then by the time it it's finally paid off, it's now making me money. And by the time that happens, I've hopefully bought one or two more that are also paying themselves off. No, I mean, like, well, the thing is, that's, that's one way to do it. Because mm. it'll pay itself off, you'll own it, and now when you sell it, you make more money, and yeah. now you can buy the next thing. That's how real estate investment has always kind of worked, mm -hmm. right? I seek to do something similar. You know, I think there is a path to it. It's just you have to figure out what that path is. And the thing is that path isn't always in that big city that's happening in. Hmm. And if there's one thing that COVID taught everybody is like you can actually have a lot of you can get out a lot out of life in remote. <laughs> you can get out a lot. You can get a lot out of life just living outside the city. I went to Gibson's recently <laughs> and there was one restaurant open at 1130 and it was going to close in 20 minutes and it was a 20 minute drive to get there. Here, I can get pizza and donair whenever I want. Because you're a vampire. <laughs> you're trying to go to a restaurant at 11.30 at night? We were at a pub, and they apparently closed the kitchen at 9 p.m. Because so people go to heck? sleep. I actually have a question. Yeah. If you could live forever, Ugh. would your goals change? If I could live forever? Yeah. Would my goals change? My goals like, would just get bigger. Do you mean like immediately? Because we're talking about Memento Mori, right? But let's just say... There was could, no Mori. Let's just say you could live forever. There was what? only Memento. What? <laughs> That's a great movie. Uh, oh. <laughs> what'd your, what would your goals be? My goals wouldn't change. They would just get bigger. They would just keep going. Like, we'd just keep going. I'm not just going to settle for being CEO of the company because that's that's doable. I'm mm -hmm. doing it right now. I can mm -hmm. accomplish this and make the Forest Creek great before I perish. Do you think you'd get bored of that, though? Yeah. That's why I'm saying they would get bigger. It would become yeah. Emperor of Earth. Yeah. Let's, <laughs> let's yeah. take over the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. It, I wouldn't, I, it was like, if I am given the providence to live forever, I'm going to make something out of it. Mm -hmm. I feel like I'd be a lot more okay with being homeless, actually. Eventually, yeah. I feel like I would get bored of being the emperor yeah. and try to go back down to the bottom and start again. <laughs> Not even that, though. It's like, I'll just do the Diogenes move for a while. I'll just chill in a friggin' cardboard box. If your goals do change now in this hypothetical situation where you could live forever, then there's something wrong with your goal. Interesting. That's a good point. That's a good point. Because I think you should be, whatever your goal is, it should be able to last forever. Hmm. I guess if you think about, you know, if, again, we get back to that big quest for the meaning of life uh, to reach that aspect within yourself and within the world. Mm -hmm. Because of the infinite nature of God, the quest itself should be infinite. So mm -hmm. if it changes, it's because it was limited, mm -hmm. not infinite. I think one of what I want to do with the Forest Creek is I want to create a place where the artists within it can pursue the quest and the people watching it can be along for the ride pursuing the quest because it is based around the quest and the quest is infinite the my goal is infinite so my goal does not change it just gets bigger like i was saying i don't know about you guys but it's like how many kids can you have <laughs> <laughs> 
trying, I'm trying, He's to, trying to do the math now. Trying to do the math. I'm trying to think like Samson. He had a lot of kids. Did Samson have a lot of kids? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like Robert Downey. What is it? Robert Samson Downey. have any Not kids? Robert Downey. Robert De Niro. Al Pacino. These guys are having kids in like their 70s. Dang. Apparently, they've accidentally. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> but again, scale it down. Well, you know, we just talked about the house. What kind of car do you want to drive when you're 30? Dude. It's like, um, if you could have your choice, what's the car of um, your dreams? Straight from Shinedown. A long black Cadillac. <laughs> really? <laughs> oh, yeah. Have you seen those freaking things? I love Cadillacs. So sick. Do you mean I like... I love that old style sleek car with like the <laughs> like taillights that poke out. Yeah. Oh, the convertible. yeah. Oh, you're and talking then, about like the class. Oh, yeah. Long black Cadillac, boy. I think was tasting like... cars. Let me just to give you an idea. He was prepared to buy like a Pontiac Firebird Yo, from like the 1990s. 19, that was purple with flames on it. 1889, 19 something. I don't know. I have it no clue. There was no cars. Right. I'm, I'm like, the thing is, listen, sure, do you know how to drive stick shift? No, I'll figure it out. It's not that. Okay, whatever. You can Google but, it. I mean, <laughs> you could try. Yeah. But either way, Pontiac Firebird. Knowing you, that's like definitely your brand too. I would say. <laughs> a Pontiac? Well, yeah, Pontiac Firebird. Oh yeah. Yeah, that Firebird style is like I would not. Flames going down the side, big Firebird on the front. Yo. If Jared's got money, I can see him in a Crown Vic. I would probably drive like. I Let don't, him I, stop I, typing, right? Because this is noisy. Yo, Ford yeah. Crown Victoria. That's actually pretty sick. Yeah, oh dude. my gosh. Named after the queen herself. Wow. Classy. Yeah. I like the older style cars. They had like the metal ball. They're heavy, but man. Yeah, they... dude, like a muscle car. I mean, if you scratch okay. it, you can just buff it out. The you know? Um, um, but yeah, no, I, I mean, I could see you in one of these cars. Yes. Who, who needs aerodynamic, you know, dude, uh, shapes style. or in contours? Oh, I, yes. I, I oh, think, yeah. Man, that's like Karate Kid vibes. <laughs> Jared, with a lot of money, I feel like Rolls Royce. Yeah, that would be you, sweet. Like in, in the millionaire I knew a guy in high world? school who was like, at 15, 16, he was like, Rolls Royce, best car. I, it's no the doubt. Mo- it's quite literally, it's the most luxurious car. Oh, wow, really? Yeah. Yeah, it's the smoothest car, too. Ooh. They have like this insane suspension system, and like you could be driving on gravel like the bumpiest roads and it's it just absorbs almost 100 percent of the amazing. impact it's, it's kind of like how rolex is famous for not having a tick right oh, the watch okay. hands they just roll the yeah. gears are smooth the same deal with the the rolls royce oh my gosh it's know, in the names roll slow it's just a smooth <laughs> ride it's a cruise right i get that a lot when i when i drive like uh, newer cars or i sit there and like they're their steering is like so soft and like almost airy that you feel like you're just sailing yeah. almost. Um, but like if I was to scale it up, it's like, well, the car of my dreams, the car of my dreams is the McLaren. Yeah. P1. I love McLaren. <laughs> I love the style of the cars. The McLaren P1 though is one of those like limited edition cars. They only make a few of them. Mm. The one car is like half a million and you have to get like on a, no, a million and a half to get the McLaren P1. And you have to get it like on a list and then you get the opportunity to buy Oh my gosh, you get the opportunity. You get the opportunity to buy a McLaren P1. Because this is like, <laughs> this is a car that's more for the track than it is for the road, yeah. to be honest. You can take it on the road. A step down from that, the McLaren 720S, $300,000. It's like, mm. if if we if I reach that multimillionaire status, which I hope to one day, that's the car I aspire to. You're not going to go Bugatti? 
they look like look the Bugatti's nice. There's like a thing to it of being like Meh. the rich enough to have the Bugatti. <laughs> I don't love it. It doesn't. It doesn't. It's mid. Doesn't speak <laughs> to me. It doesn't speak to me in the way that the McLaren does. Yeah. There is like other you know people talk about the big argument in the car world is uh, Ferrari versus Lamborghini because hmm. Ferrari is like this prestigious, well-engineered machine that people love to drive. But the community around it is because it's so prestigious. They're kind of like <laughs> they're pretentious. Pretentious. That's the word. But that's the whole point of driving these nice cars. Lamborghini, on the other hand, <laughs> Lamborghini, the community around it, the people who drive it, it's all about fun. It's like I, I don't know enough to say that the Lamborghini is a better machine than a Ferrari, mm-hmm. but it's like the community around it. But then to take that a step down. It's actually a lot of the realtors that I work around. My boss. People around him, they drive Porsches. Hmm. I think a Porsche is a sweet car. Yeah, I love like the way it looks when I walk past it in the parking lot every day. It's kind of it gives me that little boost of motivation to Dude, be like one even, day. Even old low level Porsches are awesome. I didn't know that was a thing until my buddy in high school bought one for his first car. I was like, wow. he said he brought a Porsche. I was like, you bought a freaking Porsche? Yeah, it was some used thing from the eighties or nineties or something. Dude, when you look but- <laughs> at a Porsche from the nineties, it's like that's a sweet ride. It, Dude, this kid, this guy's car looked freaking beautiful, and it was probably a few thousand. Yeah, I was like, "What the heck?" Well, it's like the again, the Porsches, like all these car companies, like the scale upwards. You can get yeah. a Porsche that's yeah. like crazy, and it's priced, right? My boss loves the Porsches; like he gets he gets the new one, right? Mm-hmm. But you can scale it down. You can get one for a Porsche from two thousand nine. It's still a sweet ride. Yeah, you know. It's scalable. I think a Porsche is something I can aspire towards. It's I don't have to be the millionaire to get it, mm. but I can aspire towards it. I think what I drive right now, I drive a Honda Civic. I just, I like this car. I'm super comfortable in it. If I drove the Honda, if I could do all, reach all my goals, but I had to drive a Honda Civic for the rest of my life, <laughs> I'd be okay with it. Yeah. Honestly, it's got a great speaker. There's Bluetooth. I'm happy. <laughs> That's all that matters. You it's know? got that VTEC. <laughs> can beat a lamborghini any day i know one thing it's like it's becoming more and more popular to switch towards electric cars i'm not on, i'm not on board i'm not on board with electric just uh, i like i think some of these hybrid engines having the battery you know if you're just going out to do groceries and you don't want to waste your gas tank on it it's like i get it my dad mm-hmm. drives a ford fusion it's like that's a cool car i like the idea of mm-hmm. the utility cool of car. it yeah but like hybrids I mean, in one sense, they're stupid because it's double the weight. You have an electric, you know, motor, and then you have a combustion engine, and then you have a battery, and you have the gas tank. Like, it's, you know, pick one, you know what I mean? But <laughs> the Prius found a way to make it reliable, oh, cheap, yeah, and efficient. the Prius. <laughs> I mean, you got to give them credit. Like, I thought hybrids, I'm like, there's no way this is going to be successful. Is, like, is it's that, just too much weight. Is that the right? car of your dreams, the Prius? It's not like car of my dreams, but in terms of like yeah, it is. saving money on gas, you're not going to find a car that's better Talk than Talk to Kyle about his new Ford. <laughs> the Ford, I mean, the problem with Ford is like, that car is probably going to be good for five years. Dream with just... me then, Andres. What is the car of your dreams? If money is not uh, No ob- object. Like, yeah, let's yeah, start yeah, off dream. with it's no object. Okay, so i like classic cars i'd probably be one of those guys i'm not crazy about the newer kind of styles mm. i kind of like the more classic stuff i like lexus actually i really like lexus cars they're really nice what about a pt cruiser porsche porsche are very smooth yeah like they're very smooth the <laughs> um, i'd probably get maybe some porsches a rolls royce would be sick too PT because they're just again cruiser 
<laughs> but I, I personally, I actually think I'd go for the classics. I just think they're cool. You know what I like about a lot of the classics, yeah. even the, like the collectors' classic cars, they're actually not that expensive. Hmm. My dad had it a little while ago. We had a 1967 yeah, VW Bug. I learned to drive stick shift on that sucker. You guys sold it? Under $10,000. Dude, they sold it like two years ago. <sighs> really? I never drove it. It's not an expensive car. Wow. Was, how, how did it drive? Well, it like drove a like a go-kart. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, it, it drove <laughs> like, like, a, a like a stick shift go-kart, dude. <laughs> here's, here's the thing. I want one of these cars. It's Queen Victoria or something old like that, like a long black Cadillac. Yeah. But I want a new engine. I don't care about the old parts. I care about the skin. Oh. Give me give me a sleeper car. It's funny. I think <laughs> so. That... Just stick a Corolla engine, ace in transmission boom. so it's reliable, and oh, then boom. I forgot got to mention I want. my one uh, honorable mention work. before we'll move on is I've always loved Austin Martin. I think they're I can't so put overrated. A, I can't put I a think face they're in the name. so overrated. The James Bond cars. Overrated. I never really saw those movies. Wow. Um, but... I'm not talking about the new one. I'm talking about like the old, like the DB5 and stuff mm. like that. Like even then, overrated. Wow. <laughs> I still, I think it's a great Fire look em. on a car. No, it looks <laughs> cool. It looks yeah. cool. I like the um, Gran Torino, Ford. Yeah. Ford used to make good cars. I don't know what happened to Ford, and all the General Motors companies. Their cars these days are so. We could ugly. spend the whole episode talking about cars, um, but. We talk about five years. Mazda by the time Miata. you're, th- by the time you're thirty, by the yeah. time you're thirty, what would you like to drive? I a think Mazda the Porsche. Miata. Oh dang! What would I like to drive when I'm thirty? By the time I'm thirty, I feel like the Porsche is not an unreachable goal. Shoot, I haven't thought about this at all. I'd probably gone. be driving a Toyota Rav, probably a Sienna, <laughs> or yeah, maybe a Sienna if I have a lot of kids. That's because you're leaving the Forest Creek. Honestly, <laughs> this Ford Fusion. Dude, Honestly, yeah, that's a pretty. It's great. from my grandma. I love it. If I had this Honda Civic by the time I'm thirty. It's. I just don't want it to be my only car. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, you want a motorcycle? Well, yeah, that's a definite for me. I don't think it'll be a Ducati for me. I actually have always, I've always, no, I've always <laughs> eyed the Honda Rebel. Hmm. He wants I'd, that Yamaha. <laughs> no, uh, I, I like Honda because the Honda's engines and their power units are pretty mm. amazing. Yeah, I don't think like Yamahas are pretty great too. It's like we had a Yamaha jet ski, Yamaha boats, stuff like that. I don't want to. I'm. I know the thing is Harley Davidson, but it's like you have to really, really love motorcycles. I just want a fun machine. <laughs> I just want a fun machine for a sunny day. I don't need to spend hours yeah. in the garage on this. <laughs> See, I've never, I've never cared for getting a motorcycle, but if I was gonna get one, I'd want to almost be lying back and reaching way up from my handles. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you, those bikes are not as comfortable as they look. <laughs> I, I think it's like just riding the Honda Rebel is like when I got to sit on it and I got to ride it around mm-hmm. the most comfortable bike I ro- I've ridden. What um, about a moped with a souped-up engine? The one of the, the one of the bikes I've loved the most have been a uh, Suzuki M50 hmm. Boulevard. I loved it. It was like big. The guy had modded the exhaust pipe and stuff, so it was like it was even louder, but mm. and kind of like fitted to be a bobber, and it was like a yeah. lot of fun. But <laughs> so moving on a little bit because like we talked about it's like what are some things you want to do when you're 30 mm-hmm. how do you experience what do you think your day-to-day is gonna one be one like? thing i actually really like i heard some just this quote about essentially what it is to become 30 is you get to essentially you get the fruits of your labors what decisions did you make in your 20s that went poorly what decisions went right where did things now you see 
the results of all this stuff. You have three decades to look back on. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's fair to say. Mostly one. If I was to sketch it out (laughs) for myself, I'm driving a car I like. I'm with the wife and kids. Mm -hmm. I am paying the mortgage living in the house. I am working for myself for my own company. I've no longer, I've stopped working for other people. Mm. These are things that I want to be at when I'm 30. I want to be living comfortably. Mm. I want to be providing for the family. At five years, I think I could strive towards those things. Mm. I don't know. What do you guys think? I've never specifically, it's always more been pipe dream thought process of the Forest Creek making it and becoming crazy successful. (laughs) (laughs) But I think that's 35 I don't think. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe forty or fifty, <laughs> but I think that would be pretty sweet. But I I also lean towards because I'm I'm kind of a lazy, relaxing person at heart, and so I like to get to a point in a position where the company can live without me. But I'm yeah, I still make money off it. You always think I'm going to keep you around when you're dead weight. <laughs> I want to put my feet up on a table and smoke a cigar. You can do that for like. Get me that, get me that cut by the end of the week. <laughs> you can do it like once a week, but the other parts of the week, you're going to be scrambling to get that cut yourself. As long as I'm doing it for the entire length of the cigar. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of time though. <laughs> That's like two and a half, three hours. I, I smoke slow. <laughs> AD, what do you think uh, you'd like your life to be like when you're 30? I would very much like to own a home. So I actually, I have plans to purchase a home. Potentially in 2023, I might have to push it to 2024, but it's it's t- it's tough because right now, um, just as well, I'll make it quick, but because they thought inflation peaked, right? Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's like, it's gonna cool down yeah. any second now. <laughs> Literally <laughs> for years, and, oh and it didn't. And so, hold like, on, are we talking about Justin? Inflation <laughs> TM. The term coined by Pierre Polyev famously, but not actually. Right. Um, I think that actually, I'm not even sure that was Pierre. That was a. Uh, no, was it wasn't, like, but he claims it, which is the best part. Do you still want to be doing IT at Cobbs? No, probably not. Unless I move up to like a better. I actually really like working for them. I have a great manager, really good support team. And I think they're an honest and they're, they're a good company to work. I'm actually like honestly pretty happy with them, but. Mm. I wouldn't want to be in the same position. If I'm still there, I definitely have to be like manager or somewhere. You need like I, a senior or manager I, or, or maybe like in your title. Because they're trying to expand in the, in, the, um, in the States. And so there is probably going to be more, you know, openings and stuff. But like if I'm still there, I, there's no way I'm in the same position. It has to be something different. Cause mm-hmm. I, and that's just for like my own sanity like i want to learn things right mm-hmm. uh, but yeah like right now because i think hopefully by 2023 2024 i can hopefully buy a home but the problem right now is interest rates right because right now this is really strange space in the real estate market where because they raised interest rates and that like completely killed the real estate market yeah. like six months ago and now it's like there's a second wave of inflation. The Bank of Canada might raise it again, in which case Goodness. it's going to completely kill the real estate market again. So hopefully 2023, 2024 can maybe get a home and then by 30, have a bigger home, a nicer home. Mm. I don't know. That'd be good because like the, the initial home is not going to be it's not going to be like it, it won't even be a single home. It'll probably be either a condo or it's going to be townhouse. Like, a, like, a, like a townhouse or a duplex. Townhouses are dope. Yeah. But like, nice. I don't 
personally, I don't have an issue with that. Um, I, I could I could live in a townhome to the day I die. It's not unless <laughs> I mean the only thing that would make it really terrible is strata. <laughs> oh yeah. And then neighbors, really bad neighbors. That would make it really difficult. But if those things are fine, then yeah. I picture you, you know, working still IT. You're just in charge of the department. You wear glasses now for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> but if we take that down, all right, let's scale it down again. Because we went from meaning of life to five years from now. You know, we went to meaning of life, greatest ambitions, mm. five years from now, one year from now. Oh, gosh. What's your life like in one year? Mean one year. I'm not sure if I'll still be at the same company, but I do know that the Forest Creek, I want to grow it so that we're actually, you know, we're servicing people. We're extended now. We're helping people. Premiering we're our first film. <laughs> that's that's actually pretty big. I think short film is doable. Mm. Premiering our first short full film. Full film? What do you mean hour? You won't even be here. <laughs> I, yeah, trader. I'll visit a lot. Uh-huh. <laughs> to get nothing With done while gas? you are here. <laughs> but... Yeah, I mean, I mean, like, growing the company to the point where we're actually going out there and we're helping people, we're on the quest. Because we're doing that now, we're helping people, but we're doing it in a way that's getting us off the ground. Mm -hmm. I want to be self-sufficient in helping people. I want to be expanding to the point where we're starting to grow our crew mm. a little bit more. That's my aspirations for a year from now. To live in a home that I am at least, well, I won't 100% own it, but to live in a home that I bought, that is definitely in line there. In you know, one year? Yeah. Oh wow. Well, I mean, I'm working at loaded. it. Working at it. <laughs> working at it. To you know, get a foothold in that starting mm -hmm. a family thing. At least like to be on that path. That would be nice. I do know in one year from now, like physical fitness is something I've been like trying yeah. to battle, and I'm finally starting to make a little bit of progress. It's slower than I thought. I think in one year I could actually achieve those goals. Mm -hmm. To put it in perspective. One time I lost a ton of weight because I did like a keto, super restrictive diet. I got really thin. Mm -hmm. I went from 220 down to 190, lost 30 pounds. Since then, I had gained it back up to mm. the point where the heaviest I ever was was 230. Mm. That was 230 in the end of 2022. I have managed, and we'll talk about this more, but I've managed to lose weight down to 210 now. Hey, without keto. Without keto. It, there has been, like, some fasting going on. There's been lots of working out. Yeah. There's been lots of ups and downs. But it's more lifestyle building as opposed to yes. three, six-month diet. Yes. So I'm down to 210. My hope is to... I think the ideal weight for me is I'd like to be below 190 mm -hmm. and just stay there. Be at a healthy pace there. I think yeah. that's doable there. The difference between then and now is actually, like, I think part of my 210 right now is I've actually put on muscle. Hmm. Um along with that so yeah, definitely. to keep the muscle and to keep the tone and the definition and to keep some of the bulk but then lose the fat be down mm -hmm. 190 that's part of the goals to be making money to the point where like i'm living comfortably to be able to travel a little bit that would be nice because mm. right now it's like i don't have the time to travel i also don't have the money because i have some goals i'm working towards yeah getting that home for instance um within one year i'd like to have the money to be like oh i guess i will take a trip mm -hmm. and go somewhere you know that would be nice so there's that i hope to maintain the car <laughs> for that one year that's something but again the main thing i think about is i'd like the forest creek to be something that can be out there helping people and growing mm. that is one big thing for me i don't know what do you think about one year jared fit and a colorist hopefully with a girlfriend <laughs> you hear that 
the foothold. listening? Hey. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about, Shameless the foothold, right? To have the foothold. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Closer to Jesus would be a good one. Like, more solid in a faith and spiritual routine. I get the feeling that's going to happen no matter what you do. Uh, it's pretty difficult, actually. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, fitness is actually a lot easier because it's defined. I can look up a routine, but I find, I'm finding it a lot harder to look up a solid prayer routine or something like that. That's not just, I don't know, repeating the same thing. Because it's, it's difficult in the faith that I learned in prayer it's more it's much more spontaneous there's no repeated prayers the only one I know is the Jesus prayer and I got that from Andres I I don't know I I I like to be a colorist when I look at spiritual goals I find them kind of funny because like I always think like I'd like to be more unplugged (laughs) I'd like to look at the rock and just see a rock sometimes I feel like I think about this stuff too much where it's like I almost never feel disconnected from the spiritual world I don't mean well, to no, make that sound I, like I'm holy. Or no, no, something. no. Yeah, I, I like that's an idea I actually got from reading Job that I really liked because the first two chapters of Job basically says that he's Jesus. It like not actually, but you know, yeah. it's like he's he's literally perfect. He never sins. Yes. So, and then everything goes wrong. Yeah. And yeah. so I took that as, OK, he never sins even through this whole thing. They specify that even through all of the crap that happens to him, he is still sinless. Up until the point where he's covered in sores and his wife is like, you need to abandon God and he loses everything. It's up to that point. He's mm-hmm. still sinless. Mm-hmm. The rest of the book is him complaining. And <laughs> one part I love is that he says he wishes he could get away for God, from God for even a moment. He's like, just leave me alone. <laughs> but yeah. he's so aware and connected to God that even when he doesn't want to know God is there, he knows God is there. Yeah, I don't go saying I'm holy. I just say yeah. I think about this all the time. Yeah. I'd like to stop thinking about it's it. It's pretty easy for I me. don't feel myself <laughs> disconnected in the sense that, oh, I'm not praying enough. Because I like consider even that some a lot of my passing thoughts are prayers. Mm. So I just... You know, I don't really think about prayer routine. I just think about it something organically that happens. Yeah. But I guess in terms of like, if I was to say growing spiritual, growing in faith, I'd like to be someone who can embody more of the the strength and kindness. And when mm-hmm. I say strength, I mean that in the sense that like, I mean, we've read it in Musashi, or at least in Vagabond, where they go, the true mark of someone who is strong is yeah. kindness. Yeah. So I'd like to be kind because I am strong. Yeah. And I, that is one thing I would like to embody. And that I consider that part of spiritual growth, being someone who is more stoic, better able to embody the ideals and the values that I've come to accept. So that's definitely something. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, wisdom is always growing. Yeah. I don't know. AD, one year from now, what would you awesome. like to be in one year? Gay. <laughs> <laughs> I always said, I always joked, As it's happy? not Catholic, yes. it's gay. <laughs> <laughs> well, the word, the word. It's original definition. Oh man, here we go. Controversial. It's happy. It just Controversial. Means happy. I agree. C.S. Happy. Lewis. They called all the Narnia kids gay all the time. <laughs> he didn't mean that Susan was a lesbian. I want to be gay, but like Narnia gay. <laughs> That's pretty gay. But dude. Peter and Edmund. Um, they were so gay. Owning a home would be nice. Um, I'd like to be potentially, you know. What, huh? Shackled. 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 The old ball and chain. <laughs> um, I think that I think that those are two big, pretty big ones. So I'll just I'll stick with those. And obviously, yeah. Um, you want to be Hank Hill? <laughs> Do you want to be able to mow a lawn and say that it's yours in a year, dude? That's the dream. 
I want to have a barbecue. Oh, I'll forget, forget about the lawn. Propane. I want a barbecue in my own patio. Propane. I mean, we can do that. You can get you a Traeger. You can stand outside in that Propane. little alleyway. <laughs> yeah. Nice. <Okay. laughs> um, I think spiritually, yeah, I think having a more disciplined prayer routine would be good. Before we go down to what the six-month thing is, before the mm. end of this oh, year. Gosh. Amor fati. Love thy fate is the meaning of that in Latin. Hmm. It's another one of those uh, stoic totems, yeah. those phrases. Whatever you intended for it to happen as your goal, however you intended to become exceptional, things happen outside of your control. You, But you have to learn to accept them, to adapt to them, to learn from them, to see them as, okay, what was the challenge that I just went through? We talked a little bit in Stoicast about how the obstacle is the way. Mm-hmm. Well, the obstacle is definitely part of the way, whether or not it is the end. Hmm. Right? I'll give you a great example. I intended to get a lot off the ground with the Forest Creek and get our services launched. I've said it at the end of every podcast. Our website's coming or something like that. But the beginning of this year, I helped my parents renovate our house. It took three-ish Three, four months of work. Even now, we're still doing things here and there. We still got things to touch up. Mm-hmm. It took so much of so many of my hours. It put things in my way. The power was being cut out at me at some off at some points. And like I would get home and not be able to work on the forest creek because I have to help paint something. I have mm-hmm. to help move furniture. We gotta do stuff. That was part of my fate. It was part of my fate to see. I have these huge marketing goals I want to meet for Q1. Obviously not. I have these ambitions, even now, I have ambitions for what I want to get done before the end of Q2. But lo and behold, we're almost done in Q2. And the truth is that I've had to deal with a lot of things at work. I've had to help my career grow in ways that have required a lot of time and attention and energy for me that I haven't been able to put towards the Forest Creek. Mm -hmm. There was a month that I'm sure you can track in this podcast where less episodes came out because I was just too, either too burnt out or too busy. And throughout that process, I've learned a lot about managing energy and managing burnout. When I was younger, I used to just... And this was something I noticed about myself, especially when I first started my job here with the real estate company. I would just throw myself at a problem Mm. and just do it. And because I did that whole self-commitment towards it, I could move mountains. I could do pretty amazing things. Mm -hmm. But the truth is that I was burnt out as heck at the end and I wasn't able to pick myself back up. And it would lead into periods of self-indulgence. Because I'm like, oh, I did it. I persevered. I can now treat myself. And then the treating Mm -hmm. yourself would just take too long. So I've learned, okay, maybe don't throw yourself like an idiot at this problem (laughs) until it's solved. Yeah. Because you're in this for the long haul. The ambitions, they do stretch out five years, ten years, your whole life. You know? They can't just be this one-month stretch. They can't be a week of working really hard. Mm Mm-hmm. Because it's about consistency more than it is about this burst of energy. I think the burst of energy is important. Sometimes you do come across those moments where you do need to tackle the problem. But I've learned a lot more about the pacing. You know, the goal, the truth is it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. Mm. It'll have parts of it that will require you to run up this hill as fast as you can so you can keep on with the race. It's not just the race. It's the marathon. Mm. 
you got to keep running. So that was one big thing I've learned. Just like this weight thing. When I first started losing weight, the truth is the first 10 pounds come off quick. Mm-hmm. And anybody who can tell you that when they start trying to seriously lose weight, the first 10 pounds is like a combination of water. It's the type of fat that will burn off very easily as soon as you start changing your diet. If you go into a calorie deficit, you're going to notice the first 10 pounds off mm. really quickly. And it'll be very encouraging. But then after you do that, you'll hit this plateau of like, yeah. now you're in the grind. And when you do that, it can get discouraging. I learned that. I went from 230 to 220. I was like, heck hmm. yeah, I did it. I did that really quickly, it felt. Because I could look at the scale and be like, I lost something every day. Hmm. Now I battle the scale every week for like a pound or two. And then I'll go out over the weekend and be like, I did it. I'm going to have the sandwich. And lo and behold, I ruined everything. Hmm. So that has been a tug of war. And my weight and the fitness has become a big part of that because it's the easiest way to kind of track my overall progress as a person. If I'm being disciplined, I'll manage my time better. I'll fit in the workout. I'll not yeah. eat more properly. Yep. But if I'm not being disciplined, like it all falls apart. Um, I think we talked about it before. It's like the deadly, the seven deadly sins, they all hold hands. Mm-hmm. The virtues also hold hands. When you manage your time well and you're disciplined, you don't eat too much. You work out, you fit in the time to do your work and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. You also have to give yourself a bit of breathing room, is what I've learned, because if you don't do that, you will burn out, and then you'll pick up one of the sins, and then all seven of them, Mm -hmm. right? So, but the thing is about the weight in particular, is like, when you get up in the morning and you look in the mirror, you see it, you make contact with it, right then and there. If I don't look good, I'll feel bad. If Mm. I feel bad, I'll do worse. If I look a little better, I'll feel a little bit more encouraged to push forward. I've been trying to do as much as I can to eat light, eat less, mm. because I'll feel lighter and more energetic. Yeah. When you eat, you feel tired. It's just natural. But that is one thing I've battled the most in like the six months. I've come to love the fate because it taught me things. Mm. I hope I can continue to learn from them and actually improve on it. Because it's always been the battle. I find myself when I am in church, I take the opportunity to pray and be like, forgive me for failing. Because last week I asked you I wanted to be worthy of doing great things, and I failed. Help me try again. Hmm. But then I find myself coming back the next week and saying the exact same thing. I want to do better so that I don't feel as bad every time I do that. Hmm. So that I can look and see the progress. So that I can stay ahead. And it's up, you know, I think I've taken these first six months and I've learned where the pitfalls are where the traps are, where I will fall out of grace, as it were. But it's a matter now of improving on it. And I think I can meet my goal within the rest of this year if I really truly learn and apply that learning. Um, And the same is true of all the other things, like whether it's time management for the stuff I'm doing for the Forest Creek and prioritizing things correctly, whether it's trying to be more patient with people and to be more kind, Or whether it's like, hey, I'm not going to play video games right now. I'll actually pick up the guitar. I'll read Mm. a little bit more. I have a few books. I've accumulated like seven or eight books. I want to get through them before the end of the year. Hopefully. I think the biggest thing I've actually learned is actually in the last few days. Which was that being inside all the time is like, it leads to short-term thinking 
which leads to impulse decisions, which leads to worse feeling. Can you expand on that? Like, what does it mean? How does being inside lead to these things? I don't know. I literally don't know because I, all I know is that when I'm inside, I'm perfectly fine with lazing around, not washing the dishes. I'll order a pizza. I'll play video games. I'll do whatever. But as soon as I go outside and like those, those thoughts will plague me and then I'll think of problems and I'll build anxiety for myself. But as soon as I go outside, I don't need the pizza. I'm walking around. Uh, I can't play video games because I'm outside. And I'm not even thinking about it. I'm thinking about long-term goals. I'm starting to think a year down the road. I'm starting to think about the Forest Creek, thinking about my work and where I want to go. I'll think about God. I don't know why, but the physical space turns into a mental space. So if I'm in a little box of my basement, I will mentally be in a little box. But if I'm outside, above ground, with no limits around me, then mentally I am in the same spot. That's an interesting way to put it. It's really weird. I've even had it at work because I've been coloring this last week and I've been so extremely frustrated with this footage because it's so awful, but it's also good. Like it's professional red camera footage, but that can be shot poorly. <laughs> What's interesting is that like, I was thinking about this earlier today. It's like when I hear you talking about work, mm -hmm. it's something negative. That's something I've picked up from working at this job. <laughs> yeah, it's, it sounds to me like the profession is like, what kind of problems are we running into? Well, I mean, that kind of is every profession. Yeah. Because if if you're not running into the problems, then everything's going smoothly, everything's perfectly fine. I think the corporate environments that I've been working in, the opposite effect has almost been like, it should always be about what the can-do positive thing mm. is, right? It's not about... Like, maybe it's the boss's job well, to be negative about something. Here's, here's the thing. It's because you hear me complaining about footage all the time. And it's not necessarily complaining. It's I'm looking at this is noisy. This is blown out. Yeah. This is crushed. It's simply stating facts that happen to be. It's like, this is why the footage is bad. Yeah. But there's no point in saying there's no noise right there. Yeah. It's like, what do you. There's no statement. <laughs> there's no green flag here. Yeah. I guess it's, the difference oh, okay. is like... I make my adjustments and I move on. Because I think it's like because your job is to look at things and clean them up. And flag them. Yeah. So it's like I don't need to flag something that's not an issue. People will yell at me. My job is to be like... <laughs> is to create. Mm -hmm. So I'm told do this thing and the best thing I can do is say yes and then do it. Yeah. So my job is like a lot of positive, positive, positive. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. AAD. Amor Fati. Actually, yeah, I like what Jared said in terms of space, because um, I've been dealing with a lot of, like, not really having my own space for a while, so, and moving, yeah, having my own space and making it my own. And then, well, obviously, you have to take responsibility for it, but I think that would be it, because at that point... Um... Do you also work in a dark room and then live in a basement? <laughs> That's this what I'm sorry. That's just the idea I have of what Jared does. No, that's just literal. That's <laughs> what I was doing today. I was working in a dark room for eight straight hours, and, and then I came. Now work. I'm in a basement. That's all lit up because of all my plants. That's why you're a vampire. You're like thinking about where can I get donuts at three a.m. I wake up at five a.m. <laughs> no joke. Wow, David Goggins. Yeah. Okay. I wish I was Jocko waking up at four thirty. <laughs> what do you recall? What your goals were when you started out this year? But I actually, I think they're pretty much the same that I mentioned earlier which is eventually have my own space um, and then 
married. <laughs> so I think it was pretty much, um, if I recall, I didn't write it down though. And that's probably the problem because <laughs> when you make a goal, <laughs> you have to be precise. Hmm. I think if the, if the goal is too general, you're likely to not succeed because you don't, well, if it's general, then you can't really fail in some sense, right? Because it's too general. It's like, this year, I want to be nicer. Well, that's like, that's so <laughs> general. Like, there's no way to measure that. I would say is like, you got to have right? a smart goal. Well, you have yeah. to be precise, right? Well, because so, it's like, in terms of nicer, it's like, okay, well, nicer means less bad. So what are the bad things and how can you cut them out? Ex- and that's yeah. exactly it. You have to identify. Or even right? more good. What are the good things you're not doing that you could do? Yeah. So like, or uh, uh, this is an easier example. It's like, oh, I want to make more money. Well, it's like, how much? Right. Well, so like, like if you make a very paper, specific goal, like get a green say, crayon. If you're, let, let's say you're making 50K, it's like by the end of 2023, I will be at 80K. Hmm. That's a very precise goal. And you can measure exactly how much you're failing. So if you're, <laughs> let's say by the end of the year, you're at 60, then you know you missed your goal by 20K. Yeah. So it's like, it's the precision that allows you to to know whether you're on track or whether you're moving away mm-hmm. from your from your goals. But leaving everything kind of general, it just leaves it imprecise. And if it's imprecise, then... Well, it's, there's no clarity. You can't really see where you're going. It's hard. You have to take the time to really like think hard and especially like having dates, like being married, you can make a concrete mm. like date. It's like by this date, you know, or um, owning a home. It's like by this date, you know, it's so the, the, that's that's better because then you can actually you can actually you can plan you know <laughs> you can actually move towards that mm-hmm. it's like imagine if you're driving in a car you have no destination you're just gonna waste gas yeah <laughs> you're like, oh, ride. i think i'm gonna head up north <laughs> where, where? <laughs> just north well it's like what do they say about goals they have to be like a trackable achievable you have to have milestones yeah. along the way you can hit yeah and stuff like that you I know mean, what's a a thing an old Peterson thing he said that that's about this is people don't like to set goals because exactly what you said you know you know how much you failed when you have a specific goal like extra 30k a year you know exactly how much you failed if you never wanted to succeed (laughs) boom if the goal is to fail did you succeed or fail can you think about things that happened to you this year that kept you short of your goals AD that's a good question Um, probably like wasting time on my phone oh man way too much time on my phone or just I, I like, like things that are not yeah they, they don't really have any i always get like a little in the, in the long run when i've just turned away from the discord where i've like asked you to do something and then i look at my phone and there's like a thing you shared me on instagram i'm like <laughs> he, i know he hasn't <laughs> i always find it funny because You'll send a message to him in Discord, and he'll respond to a different server's message in Discord, and not yours in the forest screen. <laughs> I mean, like sometimes I, like, I wonder, like, is he deliberately doing this to piss me off? That's what I know because it's like if you're on Instagram, it's like, oh, maybe he swiped the notification or he's saving it for later. But as soon as you respond to something on Discord that isn't him, I know for a fact you've seen the notification and you know it's there. <laughs> and you can respond to it because you sent a meme in Discord two minutes ago. <laughs> Sometimes I sit back and I'm like, just one more month, he'll be gone. 
And then I'll start ignoring you. <laughs> I'll fire you eventually. There's Sweet. not going to be any feet up on the desk, Cigar Man. That's not going to happen. <laughs> what is the exceptional version of yourself? Yeah. Hmm. I, I like this. Um, in the Promethea books, I, I lent to you at one point. There's a part of the story in this graphic novel series written by Alan Moore. There's a part of the story where the characters travel through the different realms of the afterlife and eventually they reach one of the realms that we would call heaven. And they meet a guardian angel. And as soon as the character sees her guardian angel, she just bursts into tears because she recognizes that her guardian angel was the best version of herself. Mm. I think about it, it's like maybe that best version of yourself, that's what you could seek to become. Maybe that's that little aspect of God in you, right? The guardian angel, the best version of yourself. That's you who were, when you weren't exceptional. You can strive to be better than good, to be great. Mm -hmm. What do you think that person is like? I can talk about different aspects and give actual examples, because physically, Juji Mufu. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, 200-something pounds of muscle, doing backflips and splits. That's it. Wow. <laughs> that's quite the fitness goal. That's the dream. I'm never going to hit it. I don't want to be as, le like, muscularly massive. I don't see you doing splits, to be honest. I could, well, that's I because... I hope you figure it out now just to prove me wrong, but... <laughs> in demeanor, do you have anything past the bulging, rippling muscles? Demeanor? Yeah. What's that person like? Huh. More serious? More serious? Yeah. Hmm. That was a little word I felt I got from God a few years ago that I never really did anything with. <laughs> the story behind that, actually, is I was leaving church... And then I and yelled at you. No, <laughs> no, it was actually uh, as I was leaving. It was this massive church that I'd never been to before. But this, as I was leaving, because it's the, my friends were waiting in the car for me because I'd stayed back for whatever reason. I go right out the door uh, to the lobby, and some woman faints. But I don't know what she's doing. And my immediate thought was, oh, she's showing her friends something. I don't want to ruin it. So I freaking sidestepped her. When I was in the perfect position to just catch her. And instead I sidestepped and she slams her head into the ground. <laughs> oh, oh man. Yeah. What a, what a Samaritan moment yeah. right there. And I was like, I can no longer do anything here. And I just left. <laughs> but I was like, dang, man. If, I had, if my instinct was not, oh, I don't want to ruin a joke or something like that. But instead, lady is falling. I need to catch her. Boom. Mm-hmm. Would have been better if I was more serious. I, I think it's interesting you say that because, like, anybody who looks at you does not... Serious is not the thing that comes to mind. <laughs> Thank you. I, I mean that, like, in a good way because it's lighthearted. It puts mm. people at ease. Like, people don't feel anxious around you. Mm. And I think that's great to some level. But then I think about it, it's like, okay, if I'm going to walk into a corporate office and pitch this to some tech... Pitch something yep. to a tech company, I'm worried about bringing Jared. Mm. I'm worried about bringing this hippie. <laughs> you're kind of like you're kind of a goof it's like and it's got its benefits and it's got it's this I don't know that you know how to act around these situations mm -hmm. it's like when the stakes are really high because I'm pretty confident in myself to be serious and like conduct myself in these yeah. situations but then it's like we, we talked about this a little while ago with like dress code it's like I didn't know I actually had to tell you what to do <laughs> in this situation because I didn't understand that like if I didn't, you would show up in a flowery kimono and a tank top. <laughs> that blew blew me away. I was like, "What the heck happened?" I was like there in a collared shirt. I wasn't like it. I wasn't 
uh, super professionally yeah. dressed, but I was like cleaning cat, cleaning like small cats. You know what's interesting about that moment? I told you I didn't think, but that's actually not true in terms of my dress. It was, I didn't know what to, to wear exactly in terms of like the specific shirt. And I knew what I wanted to wear. And I started getting frustrated because I was running out of time. And I'm more concerned with punctuality than I am dress code. So I, w I was far more concerned with being on time, if not early, like I was, than I was wearing the correct thing. Let, let's like, just because we can tell the story really yeah. quickly. It was the final talk that Father AP was doing. You can check out our podcast with him, number 14. Mm -hmm. It was the final talk he was giving to our church community before he left to LA. Yeah. And I'd invited you to join us. Yeah. And my church is a pretty conservative church. People show up there, you know, people show up clean, press clothes. We're not talking about like, nobody's, I think there's a, a vision of it that people see in like Catholic churches, for instance, where mm -hmm. everybody's dressed like their, you know, their Sunday best tucked shirts and it's all dress shirts everybody and like was dressed and pretty normally people yeah. were dressed pretty normally but it was like collared it was like good clothes it was professional it was modest yeah. and i invited you i thought you would kind of get the hint and come in like a polo shirt or something and when you showed up i was like it was in my head it was like it was it was bothering me the whole time i was there because I you know, showed because up because part way through his speech you turned to me and said do you have anything else you can wear? And I was like, oh no. He's just been thinking about this the whole time and it's all he's going to think about the, the rest of the time. <laughs> and I was like, no, I didn't bring a freaking change of clothes. What are you talking about? <laughs> it was, yeah, because I didn't anticipate... Like, first off, you already stand out. You're like the only <laughs> white guy there yeah. and you're pretty tall. And then you have long flowing hair. And then the choice of outfit was the long flowy kimono <laughs> with like swans and flowers yeah. on it kimono not like you picked like a, a kimono and then underneath that it wasn't like a t-shirt because like a t-shirt would have been fine if you just took off the coat <laughs> and you just had a t-shirt it was a tank top and it's i like i was like, oh no what do i <laughs> what's going i'm this is gonna stick out like a sore thought it's like it's one thing to be you know, if, hey, this sweater you picked had a stain on it. Yeah. That's like one thing. But this was like, there's no hiding. <laughs> what do? It's like, and it's very clear. It's like, you're following me around. <laughs> I'm ask I was literally asking for you. And like, I, 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 like, I remember asking you, it was like, as I was walking, I was like, I was looking up and down. I was like, I, I didn't explode then, but I was like, this is not good. <laughs> this is what you chose. And we sat through the thing and it was like, it was, I was trying to listen to the talk, but it was also bothering me the whole time. Yeah. And I did turn over. I was like, maybe I'm luck. Maybe there's luck in this. And then you didn't have anything. Else. I thought that was so funny that you, when you asked if I had a change of clothes, I'm like, who, who just has a change of clothes in their car? Me. Why? Me. What? Yeah. Sometimes. Hey, gym clothes. Maybe you, uh, you know, I keep it extra much because, like, I don't know if I'm going to spill something on myself. I don't know if I'm going to, like, get really sweaty or something. I, it's just to have it. It's mm. like a safety thing, almost. But, and then I remember it was like we walked out of the church and we were about to go to dinner. And I was like, okay, people kept their peace here because it was a talk and they wanted to focus on, you know, Father AP was talking. We're about to go to dinner with everybody. We're about <laughs> to go to a restaurant with everybody. Yeah. And sit down. So there's not gonna be any hiding <laughs> I'm like I remember <laughs> it's like I 
that was when I kind of reached my boiling point. It's like, I, didn't, I don't think we didn't get into like a serious argument, but we had a bit of a spat. No, you just insulted me. And I, was, yeah. and I knew where you were coming from. So I did my absolute best not to let it get to me. Yeah. I think you got about 10% to me. <laughs> <laughs> I think the words I used were drug dealing hermaphrodites. That sounds about right. Yeah, I think those were the terms. But Which I, normally would be perfectly fine, but it was your, the way you said it. To your credit, you've come a long way since then. In other contexts, like I've seen you show up to parties now, it's like you get clean, you clean up. <laughs> It's like I'm actually a little bit impressed in some areas. <laughs> and then, like, you're beginning to adopt the same business mindset as mm. well. AD, in terms of who your exceptional self is. Padre Pio. <laughs> Matt Fran. <laughs> I think my exceptional self would be a version of me that is not plagued by the spirit of fear. Mm. So I think different people like we all have different things that we struggle with but i think it's also important to identify like what like what specifically is it like so sometimes like we have different um addictions or tendencies or whatever a lot of times we misidentify where that's coming from or what it actually is like what the source of it is like so for example like lust is a common one a lot of times people think it's like a yeah it's like oh it's a lust problem it's a lust problem i just have like this uh insatiable desire for pleasure or whatever but sometimes it's actually not I've Lust, actually heard actually, most of the time. De- it actually goes deeper, and if you go deeper, it's actually coming from a place of fear, or it's mm. coming from a place of sorrow, or you know, what have you. So I think the version of myself is one that's liberated. Mm. You know, one that's like not. Um, the most excellent version would be one that's not um, weighed down. One that's not by these tied down by the mortal coil. <laughs> the what? The mortal coil. <laughs> What is that? <laughs> Life. There's an Alexander oh. the Great quote that goes, in the moment where a man is free from fear is the moment that he is immortal. Hmm. I think so. I think to live without fear would be to actually, like, truly live. But that's hard, It's right? interesting because it's almost um, like we're referencing a lot of our older podcasts. We talked a lot about, in the Myers-Briggs one, Buyers Makes, as I call it, <laughs> uh, we talked about the Jordan Peterson personality test. Oh, yeah. And... We brought AD up a lot in it because we'd go like... Because he got big neuroticism. Neuroticism, conscientiousness, and stuff like that. (laughs) I'm curious because you you do mention fear. How do you feel like that manifests in yourself? Can I I say it? Because I love... (laughs) Just just recently we had a story where over the weekend we were driving to the Texas barbecue in my car that hadn't had an oil change. It was over by about a week, maybe a week and a half. And I hadn't topped it up. And you, it had been perfectly fine until you said, yo, it might, your engine might seize, this, 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 how long is this? You started asking me a bunch of questions, and I was like, we're not doing this. Shut up. Stop it. <laughs> I literally said, I was like, stop it. We're not doing this. We're in the car. We're driving there. <laughs> you were, like, trying to spread your anxiety about it. Because I had no issue with this. I was like, oh, yeah, I need an oil change soon. I was like, this guy learned about cars last week, and now he yeah. wants to. <laughs> I'd say the peak, though, was your diet phase yeah yeah for sure that was the phase before catholicism yeah (laughs) (laughs) which is the we'll pretend it's the ultimate be all end all but (laughs) i mean it's the one that's lasted the longest so far so (laughs) i feel like the next one is marxist i'm kidding what about islam oh my god that would be awesome (laughs) but it's it's um it's actually fascinating like uh, if you read like demonology and stuff, mm. 
it's, it's really interesting because well, hang on we're gonna go down a lot of uh, you know literature again what? i asked you a question how do you feel like your fear manifests in you yeah well it's, yeah, i was it, gonna it, answer the question but then jared answered it for me we'll answer uh, it now uh <laughs> Or I'll hit you. <laughs> we know it. The seven deadly sins all hold hands. I think. Fine. I think probably. Yeah, like Murphy's law. A lot of times, like the huh. worst thing that can happen will happen, and it'll happen. And so in the worst you just way you kind of spiral, and you just try to. Um, yeah, you basically always think like, oh no, it's gonna happen, or you become too. Um, yeah, you just don't have enough uh, faith in in really anything, right? You just basically think, okay there's a good probability that this will happen even though like and it, actually it's interesting because marcus aurelius talks about this too we suffer most in imagination mm-hmm. than in reality yeah it's totally true with people who struggle with like fear right they're like, constantly afraid of different things happening it has to do with yeah basically if you have an active imagination which i do um well it can be a <laughs> blessing and a curse right because yeah. then you can just imagine these ridiculous scenarios that will probably have less than a one percent chance of manifesting but that's a one because chance. the thing is it's like it, it shapes your reality right because when you for example like in that moment in your car you all you saw was like i just need an oil change but there's still oil there yeah we can get to where we need to be what i saw is this engine's gonna seize <laughs> right so we see we're, we're looking at the same thing but we'll have a completely different experience and you know what those pistons only started misfiring after you said these things <laughs> i cursed it i'm sorry <laughs> um but yeah i think it and usually happens in those ways now i think it's gotten actually a lot better over the mm. over the last couple of years but obviously it's still it's still almost habitual right just because you've kind of learned you've sort of learn to think this way hmm. it's just how you yeah. think now yeah. right and so trying to de-learn or trying to unlearn trying to reprogram is really hard and like different you know like in your case what well, do you think that there's something that weighs you down because in my case i know it's like fear mine's laziness but i think on the other side of my ambitions because my ambitions are like i consider them to be the moral right thing to do but i think there's something on the other side of them that can be the issue right I think about when I think about wealth, I want wealth because I like I want to enjoy the finer things in life and I want to provide for those around me. I often think about it in that like that line from that one movie. I want to be a river to my people. Mm. But on the other side of that is greed. It's I want them for me. Mm -hmm. I think about becoming exceptional and doing great things and being known for it. I want to be known as somebody who people can rely on. I want to be known as somebody who has done good things for people. But then there is pride. There is, oh, I want my name to be inscribed mm-hmm. on the monuments to me. So there's that. And this can lead me to be delusional about some ideas. I won't even say delusional. I feel like delusional might be harsh, but I'll overblow my own ambitions and then I'll end up setting unrealistic goals. Mm. Right. So that's definitely something. Hmm. I think there is, like I said, there is things that can be along those same lines is like a lot of my goals have those two sides to them and then striking the balance is very important when i think about what my most exceptional self is well along the same lines we call commonly in our vernacular now everybody calls each other every man calls another man a king hmm. i want to be the king of kings oh dang it's not good enough to be good yeah i must be great and i've put that on myself now hmm. and with that has come responsibility and the responsibility to wait. It's now, 
When I used to make a mistake when I was younger, I would shrug it off. I'll make the same mistake tomorrow. I don't care. <laughs> now I make the mistake, I'll be like, oh, I lost a step. I tried turning it around. Uh, I write a weekly message to you guys mm -hmm. at the beginning of each week. This week, I've tr decided I'm going to turn it around. I'll be like, nope, we're going to accept providence. Mm. We're going to be on gratitude today. This week, I'm going to start focusing on the things I have left, the things I can do good with now. Mm-hmm. And to enjoy, to love the labor, not just to think about what the dream is in the end, but mm. to have fun in the present moment and enjoy that. Yeah. That's also what the Forest Creek is about. It's about doing what you love. So there's a lot of that. In terms of my exceptional self, well, I think I've outlined it a lot, outlined it a lot, but I think the Forest Creek is really the culmination of it. Mm. Because if I'm able to accomplish that goal, I must therefore be that person. And that's something I'm striving to do a lot. I think it'll end with a good version of myself, a better version of myself, mm. hopefully a great one, an exceptional one, so that I can do something that is enough negative entropy to survive and not just negative entropy to last beyond me, but to give other people something they can build on top of. Mm -hmm. I want somebody to unearth the forest creek for themselves and be able to use that as the point that they jump off of to do great things themselves hmm. it's a big dream and it still is a dream but every day it becomes more real and i'm going to keep working at it till infinity this is how we chill from 23 till that's 2023 <laughs> till infinity here at the forest creek what what on this social media and podcasting platforms at the forest creek youtube.com slash at the real forest creek our website is up and will continue to be up and get better that's the forest creek web.com reach out and get in contact with us at the forest creek at gmail.com we're working on a project right now that is actually quite personal to me it's to restore saint george the saint george community Mm -hmm. uh, our campaign for that is going to be coming up. We'll be pushing that a lot more. He, he's he's nodding now. I think it's a wrap. He's uh, doing gangster. <laughs> and as always, lots of other fun things. So remember to like, share, subscribe, join us on this journey till infinity. Not just for the next six months, not just for the next year, not just for the next five years. No oh, snap. For all time, because the quest is infinite. That's 23 Till here at the Forest Creek. I'm Raph. I'm Jared. I'm AD. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Oh.